Alright guys, here we go, part 3 of episode 61 with the Aussie legends Roger McLaughlin, Craig Newman and Harry Bruss. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this um, series. I know the audio isn't always ideal, but you know, it is what it is. It was a Zoom hang um, on a Saturday night with uh, some of the best pace players in the country. So um, I figured I'd just put it up here, warts and all, chop it up trim it here and there um, and yeah what did I miss oh you missed uh, you missed some really cool dad jokes I'm gonna be back in a second guys. and, and uh, Harry uh, got me to do something and hooked me in you know hook line and seeker and I made an absolute fool of myself <laughs> oh, so much went down yeah, so, uh, all right, while you're there, I'm going to plug stars one more circle around the sun. Stars have reformed. Fantastic, man. Yeah, the band that I was in, you know, uh, back in the 70s after LRB. Uh, the fabulous Mal Eastick. Wonderful tell, player. Tell me, tell me about stars. I don't know. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Um, stars were a band um, came from Adelaide, actually. In fact, they've... One of their first singles was produced by B. Bertels, and I remember Stars actually supporting Little River Band in Adelaide back in '75. You know, the, the only what? band I know from Adelaide is a band called Goose. Goose. Hmm. Apparently, they, they they were like a kind of like um like a kind of funk fiction thing. You know, they had like a resident. Oh, okay. um, because you you realise that mo a lot of Australian. Um, bands like really successful bands all came out of Adelaide. Yeah, really. Like Glenn Shorrock, The Twilight, Stars, Cold Chisel, The Angels. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, man. Right. Yeah, yeah. When I first saw Stars, I, it had one of my favourite bass players, Graham Thompson. That's the, yeah, he was the first bass player, man. He was so good. Yeah. And I, he was about 17. He looked like uh, Huey Dewey from, you know, gorgeous yeah, yeah. young fella. And I, I, I said the bass yeah. pretty high too. Yeah, and I went yeah. up to him. I said, mate, you are fantastic. Because he was. He was great. I always, if I see a young guy who's really cutting it, I make a point of going up and telling them how great they are. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Encouragement is everything, man. Yeah, um, um, Graham Thompson was the, the, the original bass player in the band when they were basically just before um, Andy Durant joined the band. Had a couple of earlys, Quick on the Draw. Uh, what was the other single? Quick on the Draw and uh, With a Winning Hand. And then they did Mighty Rock, which was actually Michael Hegarty on bass then. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then they moved to... What a career Michael Hegarty's had, hey? What about Wow, him? Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, he's a fantastic he's a player. And then he managed Tal Wilkenfeld for many years. Did he really? I didn't know yeah. that. Well, he, he stopped bass and was managing Tal for all those years. God, who knew? Never knew. Tal Wilkenfeld, yeah. That's a success. Yeah, Tal. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, just to finish the history of stars, you know, um, they, they came to Melbourne and, and, and I joined them. And at that point, we were in the, in the studio recording the Paradise album, you know, which has uh, got West is the Way and uh, You Better Look After Yourself, Paradise. And, of course, the infamous live version of Rocky Mountain Way. 
is on that album as well. well. I was enough to get to play with Joe Walsh, which was uh, very exciting. Oh, yeah, mate. You could tell some stories about the Party Boys, man. Yeah, well, that was Paul Christie with the Party yeah. Boys. I played with Joe after that with Kevin Borich and Mick Skelton. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, how exciting that was. I remember when I, when I got the gig, I thought, I'm going to really, I, I put a lot of work into that gig just to make sure every note was spot on. Because I used flat, a five-string Fender with flat wounds, wow. heavy flat on there, which was really great for Joe because the bottom end was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I had a Fender five-string once and I sold it. I I'll tell you why. So, I mean, I love Fender basses, but I just found I'm so used to playing my Warwick five-string, which has got narrower spacing. And I get onto a Fender five-string, and it's like, you know, the strings are like you could drive a freight train between the strings, you know? Yeah. I think I think Fender, the Fender in general can be hit and miss, and the five-strings maybe especially because they don't have that history of it. You know, people... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're generally for fours. I think once they get active too, it goes into another world, you know. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is one <laughs> of the Fender, Fender Jazz Deluxes, and and as you, you know, it just continues. All the fives are all the Fender fives are, yeah. Yeah, well, it just continues the spacing of that, you know, and so it needs to be. The, the fretboard be... ends up being this bloody wide, you know. Yeah. Can be that. And I'm so used to the, uh, the, the, the narrower spacing of, of the, oh, you can't see it, but the Warwick 5 yeah. string. Yeah, and I, my whole technique for 20 years is, is based around a narrower spacing, you know. So how do you, how do you find changing from that narrow spacing of a 5 string to your standard uh, jazz? Oh, it's weird. Because that always used to mess with me. So uh, It messes with me too, man. I find that I... I play, I don't play as busy and and I play more like a bass player. So, <laughs> so it's cool. all, of my, all of my five strings have got a really wide yeah, yeah, uh, facing. I, yeah, I can't uh, deal with that little thing. Yeah, I've gotten used to it. I've got so used to it. I sold my four-string Warwick and I just got so into the five-string that my whole technique, the minimalistic movement across, you know, uh, I've just gotten used to it. When I do play a four-string... This, this is a beauty, this oh, one. Oh, Harry. Ooh, that's my look at, look at the wood on that. Yes, please. Ken Smith. You want to see some wood? <laughs> <laughs> but the Ken Smith is... A, I, I spent many years wanting a Ken Smith because every time I saw a... They're amazing, aren't they, Harry? Well, whenever yeah. I saw an R&B concert or, or any of the religious guys or Michael Jackson live, they always used Ken Smith because that's the R&B sound. You know? yeah. So I finally found one. When our dollar was parity with America, I bought one for three grand. Which oh, well done. <coughs> amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, that, I mean, that looks like it's been that looks like it's been played. Well, you check out here. I think Ken would be upset, but look, look at at how I've messed with it. Okay, <laughs> that's good, mate. That's a badge of honour. Is that from from all the slap or? Yeah, that's from that's from all this stuff. Yeah, Harry, you've got the most unique slap style I've ever seen, man. It's uh, I don't know what's going on, but it's fabulous. Can I play you a bit? Yeah, please do. 
Okay. What's 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 the space that you're? The, what, this, what's this P bit? Oh, go for it. this is the five. Are you ready? This is a bugger how it compresses like that. <laughs> Harry, we can't hear you. I mean, it looks amazing. I'm not going to lie. It is. Trust me, it'll be amazing. <laughs> it is. Uh, this is what I hate about Zoom when you play too loud. It just the, the compressors. Yeah. That, that was amazing. But Zoom has this thing where it's it it hears bass and it thinks of it as being background noise and it automatically mutes it. Yeah, I mean that's uh, during my life, but um, yeah. unfortunately we didn't hear much of it. So uh, I mean that's interesting because you I mean you would think somebody who's a Jameson disciple. I use that term affectionately. You know, you wouldn't really expect to look along their collection and see a Ken Smith. So, for, for me, that that's that's pretty cool to 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 see that you got, you know, a bass like that next to this you know, little miniature P bass in the background. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think uh, that five when you've got a tight B string, there's notes that you play in songs that you just cream over. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, there there is definitely a time and a place for that B string to just go yeah, and blow out a speaker or two. That's probably why I like playing the Warwick, the Warwick thumb, you know. It's, it's, it, I, I, I dabbled with looking at various five strings and always found the B string to be a little bit floppy until I came across the thumb bass and went, wow. Mm. You know, like you go bow, 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 bow. The B string, it just sounded just as tight and as clean as all the other notes, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you, with the Ken Smith in Perth, I basically was touring there with with Swanee and Kevin Borich, and basically I borrowed my one of my best friends, '70s music man, because I thought, oh, I want to play some funk. So that night, our hotel room was raided, and both those bases were stolen. My mate's music man and that Ken Smith. Oh, they were gone. I, I couldn't believe it. So a couple of years later. This is now how weird is this? I uh, just had this feeling. I looked on eBay and there it was. Wow. So, what? You know, after a couple of years later, and I spotted it at the, the pawn shop and put it on eBay. They bought it for a hundred bucks. So I hope you didn't have to buy it back. And check out, I, they basically the, the pawn shop filed the serial number very professionally. So I contacted Mr. Ken Smith himself. He got involved. Right. And verified to the Western Australian Perth cops, Ken Smith himself said, "This is my base because each one, because of the uh, the wood, is like a fingerprint. There are no two ones alike, and he can verify that that's my base." So my my best mate went and picked it up for me, so no charge. And guess what? Six months later, what do I see on eBay? The music man that was stolen. Oh, no. Yeah, check this out. So the guy that bought it was accepting an ARIA award. He put it on eBay. He bought it from a pawn shop. So he's, he was with a band called Little Birdie. And when he was 
basically at the Aries accepting an award, he got a phone call from his mum saying, oh, the police are here. They want... <laughs> so what a day for him, eh? And I got that back because when, when my best mate's music mate was stolen, I immediately, within a couple of weeks, sourced another old one and sent it over. So basically, because you, you know what it's like, your friend, you lose his oh, number, yeah. number one base. So I bought it. And then when, I, when the other one came up on eBay, then I got the one I bought back. So nice. it all worked out. Um, so Guy, Guy from, um, from Bay Centre. Guy, uh, yes. wants to know, Harry, about your Spectre base. Yeah, that's a, that's a sweetie, that one. Basically... Uh, I, I personally think that the American NS2 Spectre is the most powerful bass in the world, mainly because I've tried all of them. As for, I'm talking about power. That doesn't break up. It stays tight. Right, so Harry, yours is an American one. I've got the, the Czechoslovakian Euro. Yeah, I had a Czechoslovakian Pi, yeah. but it, I don't know what it just didn't do it for me. But yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the white one is... From the late eight, is it a five eighty, string or a four, four string. Four. Would you like to see it? We'd love to. Please do. <laughs> Just bring bring them all. <laughs> hey, while he's doing that, oh bugger, it's not here. Show oh. me your bass, Rog. Well, look, I was going to drag out my '64 L series because that got stolen. Like Harry, got stolen out of my car, and I got it back three months yeah. later. It was in a pawn shop. Oh, here we go. See, when I see that bass, I just think Verdine White. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a copy of it because it's not a Spectre, Verdine's. Oh, is, he's a Ibanez? Uh, yeah, I think so. This is the one exactly like the one that Sting played on Synchronicity Tour. Ah. Yeah, Sting. Any of you guys remember these guys? Oh, yeah, the musician. Oh, Ibanez. Sting. Yes, yeah, Sting. Yeah. Ibanez musician, yeah. Now, this is my first bass. Do you know what? I had a loan. I had a loan of one of those in the early '80s, and I recorded Peter Couples' "Fair of Thunder" on one of those basses. So it's not my Fender. It's actually an. It was the first time I'd ever had an active bass in my hand. So the Peter Couples' "Fair of Thunder" is played on one of those Ibanez basses. It's a pretty good bass line too. I always thought it was Robbie Little on that. Ah, uh, well, there you go, mate. <laughs> it's I'm everywhere. It weighs an absolute ton, mahogany. But Robbie Little, what a monster. Oh, mate, he's a great, great mate of mine. Robbie, where are you? Gotta get listening, man. One of these. Where are you, Robbie? Yes, yeah, mate. I, and I, you know what? I actually wished I'd bought one of those 80s, 80s uh, Ibanez. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the electronics have died on it and have got Yeah, but she that was great, man. It, uh, yeah. It's, it's almost like a. You know, like people talk about the Sadowski being the J bass on steroids. You, you put front pickup on that, and it's like P bass on steroids because it's two. It's essentially like two um, P bass pickups that are in it. That's, yeah. that's how they. That's how they build it. That was like their Olympic, really, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. Seeing as you bought out your Federa, uh, um, uh, no, your Ken Smith, uh, Harry. I just thought I'd bring this up. No, uh, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah, Come on, where's, where's all the where's all the stuff off the where's all the wear and tear now? Whammy bar. Oh yeah, it's got a whammy bar now. This is a custom shop base that I got made uh, 
worry mate, this is the thumb base, it's made to my specs. It's got swamp ash and purple heart and, and uh, it's actually got Brazilian rosewood on the fingerboard, got lotus flower inlays. Beautiful. And it's got a whammy bar. Have you been over to Marknerkirchen, the factory, Roger? No, I haven't. And uh, no, but I'd like to. But the, the, I guess it is a five. But I've actually got it strung with a high C. So it's E, high C. So it's more of a solo, you know, solo instrument. But uh, yeah, it's a beautiful bass. Quite light too. Somebody, yeah. um, da Dan Kinnaird in the in the qu the questions has got a question for you, Craig. He wants to ask you about your swap from Warwick to Sadowski. I can see both in the background, plus some fenders and stuff like that. But yep. um, those uh, those yeah, I've got a couple of Warwick bases that that were made for me uh, mm -hmm. when I was doing Hey Hey, mm -hmm. custom built six strings. Did you play sixes? No, I've never played a six string. Okay. And basic instinct. Oh, I remember you Oh, grab him for Sure. Show and tell. I seem to recall Craig getting a, a, a streamer base made. When it arrived, they'd made it in the narrower spacing so that he sent yeah. it back. Okay, yeah. so that's, uh, you know, uh, fretless, Whoa. which is a beautiful, like, neck through. Stunning, man. Uh, you know, the, the, the bottom B string is, you know, it's like playing a Steinway piano. It's just... Yeah, well, they are, aren't they, man? And, uh, I had the same in a uh, fretted. Nice, with the, with the maple fingerboard. Maple, yep, yeah, swamp ash. Um, very wide spacing, though. Not, not yes, you go for the wide spacing, don't you? Yeah, you're used to it. Your, 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 your base that you brought up there, that looks pretty wide, Roger. Guy says it needs a bigger... Which one? The, the thumb. No, it's not. No, it's the, not. The, the whammy bar one. Oh, no, it's not, man. I know it looks like it is, but it's maybe, really... Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just got such a massive bridge. So there's the Sadowski. Yeah, no, it, it's not, man. It's, it's, just, it's exactly the same as that one. Yeah, right. Optical illusion. Maybe it's a little wider back there, but judging right now, maybe a mil, but now it's pretty much... Because I gave them the measurements of this thumb base to make this one, you know. Right. Gee, those lights look good on it, don't they? Pretty cool, huh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm take this with me everywhere. That's, uh, that's a pretty sexy top on that, Craig. Is that like a tiger? Maybe? So uh, what, what was the question that you fired at? <laughs> Originally, the question was just about, about your change from Warwick to, to Sadowski. Well, I've, I've been uh, following Sadowski's career for like 25 years. Marcus, I guess. Because, uh, you know, uh, Marcus was a big influence, Will Lee, and uh, yeah, all those guys were, uh, all the session cats seemed to have Sadowski's. So um, uh, I was lucky enough to be in New York in... Um, uh, 2009 so I, I went to the factory and I spent a few hours there um, and I got him to make this up for me and he um, sent it back it was it was arrived at my house about five months later and he kept me updated with the building of the base and um, that's how that evolved I mean I, you know, I've always been a fender guy so uh, 
This yeah. is a natural progression for me for a five string. It, it feels uh, really comfortable. Looks cool. Yeah, well, awesome. yeah great. What, what, hey, what take out, your, take um... out my Jimmy bass. Yo. The Jimmy Precision. So what? I That's actually, copied off of Jimmy's uh, one of Jimmy's strats. The I was actually going to bring up Jimmy um, a few, few minutes ago because it was his anniversary of his death a few days ago. Yeah, Third, well, um, one of the, he's probably one of those people that we all wish we'd seen live. But so short his life, but uh, yeah, so short, but just so impactful. You know, even today. I think there's never ever going to be anyone like that ever again who's going to be that famous or that great. And I think it's actually got a lot to do with the fact that he did did only last three, four years. Because had he stayed around, he would have melded into being like Stevie Ray Vaughan or one of the others. But because he was like a rocket. Yeah. Bright, the the brightest, shirt, brightest stars, brightest shorts. <laughs> Just like the guy in free. Brightest stars. Paul Kossoff was like that. Paul Kossoff, you know, he only had a few years. And yeah. Yeah. Actually, think about it. How how long was the Beatles' career? Ten years? Uh, about, oh, not even. Eight. About eight? Isn't that just kind of mind-blowing when you think about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Incredible body of work from like 60, 65 to 70. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But still, I saw McCartney here in Melbourne a few years ago, and it's like, man, it's seventy plus. It's just absolutely amazing. Well, Harry can do it. <laughs> it's an old inspiration. Inspiration. Yeah. So how's That's this good. one for you, guys? This is a bit worn. Oh, that is cool. Where'd you get that from? In a bit. Like I've worn a hole in the bottom of that from. Too good. Ah. And I bet it's light too. Oh, mate. Older. Beautiful. Older? Beautiful. What year is it, man? 64. Wow. I haven't got my 64 Jazz. My 64 Jazz is really light, ridiculously light. And I've got a 63 fretless tucked away back there. You ever tried the 64 with the Labellas? Because then that's Jerry Jamot for you. No, Jerry Jamot. I'm going to do that, man. Yeah, wait till you hear the sound on, on that. That is the, the classic, that is Rita Franklin tracks, you know. If Guy, if you're listening, get me some strings. Get me some of those strings. Keep talking. Why do you, you yeah, know. My address, get them set. They, they're really something to take on as well because you've got to yeah, cool. play them. But the sound is like three times as wide as what you're used to. You know? Wow. Right. So maybe while we're on the subject of bases, could we move on to rigs, um, amps, and stuff like that? Harry, are you um, are you a Wayne Jones? Player? You bet. I, I love Wayne Jones stuff. You know, and uh, whenever I, I've got a gig that warrants his amp, there's something. It's almost uh, his amps sound like they've already got a sub with them, which is amazing. <laughs> you know, they they really got that bottom. It's it's addictive too. The bottom end. Yeah, I started catching on to Wayne Jones cabs about ten years ago, twelve years, the early cabs. Yep. And you put a power amp with one of those cabs, and it's like, wow, it's just mind blowing. You don't hear that sort of quality very often. It gets addictive. Um, 
and I think the stuff with the Wayne Jones thing is you don't need to run it. You don't need to run it hot to get that that oomph. But it's, yeah, well, you know, his preamp that he uses with that, I use my, everything I record in my studio goes through that preamp. Yeah, it's yeah. just sen- sensational. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Roger, I know you think Class D's crap. So, is that does that mean that um, <laughs> what's crap? Class oh, D. I'm not a fan of Class D amps, generally. But, but the but the the Wayne Jones stuff is is Class D, is it not? Uh yes, it is. the The amplifiers inside the cab. You mean the powered cabs? Power, powered cabs and and the, and the powered heads that he does as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are kind of that's like the the top top range of of that that world, I guess. Look, it is, uh, and I've played through. Uh, in fact, I've been, I've been waiting. If you're listening, I've been, I've been waiting for you, the COVID lockdown to finish. He was actually going to drop around one of his preamps to me, so I've been waiting for that to arrive. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about Class D, man. It's just not me, you know. It's it's too clean, and it just doesn't. I, I think I look. I, I really do love my Warwick Quad Six amp, which is. Got a valve front end and MOSFET power amp. And it, well, I don't think I've heard you talk about that much. Oh, well, that's what I've been using for the last 10, 15 years. Oh, <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like Gally and Kruger. I, I always thought that they were pretty ordinary. Uh, I didn't never like their tone circuits. I just thought that they were really gnarly. The size of it. I know. I've tried the Warwick ones like that. Look, they're all wonderful and small and lightweight, and I'll just leave it there. They're lightweight to me, you know. But I have to say, in fairness, I have played. I have plugged through a mixer into into one of uh, done a small gig with Mike Oliphant, and uh, I just plugged straight into his his clean audio desk and he's straight into one of Wayne Jones' new powered monitors and you know the bass sound that came out of there was incredible and you're I mean, right Harry. If you've got, if you've got a preamp in your bass then yeah well yeah that. I mean the yeah. bottom ends is incredible and it's all there and it's look I, I think I'm a bit old school and I do like amps to kind of uh, particularly the valve side of things just to push a little bit you know I kind of end up in the realm of Jack Bruce or Ant Whistle, you know, a little bit of grit yep. around your t- around your tone. You know, you like, know? like what what I've been doing for a while is running running a Demeter tube preamp with a with a Class D power amp. So you yeah. can kind of get that that kind of three Dness from the from the tubes of the Demeter and, and the high quality preamp circuit. Yeah. And you get, you know, uh, if you're, if you're, I think, like somebody said in, in the in the comments, you know, it's also the speakers. If you're running, if you're running a good speaker cabinet, and Wayne's obviously designed. Well, it is, man. I mean, with his amps and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, those, you know, those it's, cabinets. It's combination. Are it really is the combination. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just like gnarly sounding bass rigs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, a bit, but not amp. A bit of a, a bit of aggression that comes out of them. You know, I, I'm. Um, uh, I, I, I mean, I've sold and played a lot of Mark Bass, you know, the 800s and that, and I think they're pretty cool, and, and I really like the Mark Bass 15-inch combo. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, you know, with uh, and you put a 210 cab on travel underneath mm-hmm. that. It's pretty cool, you know, but I don't know, this, you know, you just get your sound and you, you're just used to how the amp reacts and how that cabinet reacts. Yep, yep. 
and I think I've just kind of got used to it, you know, so... Uh, Craig, Craig uh, are you in SWR? Uh, I do have uh, one of, yeah, my, my main big rig is uh, uh, the SWR uh, Marcus Miller preamp, which was out oh, of... I remember the one, yeah. Beautiful, I love it, oh. uh, with a QSC power amp. Is that is that the uh, the two two rack? Yeah, two or three. Yeah, and uh, I'm still using uh, my original um, SWR cabinets from like I don't know when they first came out twenty years ago. Heavy, aren't they too heavy? They're the heavy cabinets, but I, I don't carry them much anymore, Harry. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, you know I've got a few small boxes here. Um, but that the rig that I sort of take out on the road a lot is either that or, or if, if I'm hiring backline, it's an Angular rig, right. which I really love, you know. The DB750 or 751? 751, 751, yeah, I think the 750 was... Amazing, those. Yeah, the, the best, the 751 is slightly different, but... Um, yeah, right, you, you, both prefer the, you prefer the 750? I do, but there's not many of them around anymore. You, you certainly can't hire them. From uh, oh, wow. yeah, and uh, I've also got a dark glass uh, amp, and I've I had the Wayne Jones rig here, yeah. and I've had that out a lot. Um, yeah, I'll, you know, and I've got an old uh, one of the old original Warwick heads, which I think Rog, you, you must have. Oh, look, I love my Womp eight hundred. Unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, the Womp 800. It unfortunately it got a power surge one night and it just it just ran through it and it killed. got a power surge. That means Roger was cranking it for four hours. No, the, it wasn't that. Oh, <laughs> no, that thing was bulletproof, man. I love that amp. Um, it had a beautiful graphic EQ that went down to 30, 30 hertz. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you know, when I plugged into the uh, the Warwick Quad 6 amp, it was like all of a sudden I've, I found my amp and I've been using it ever since. And in fact, Craig, when Dominant Music uh, closed down, I got a call from Michael Zachariah and he said, mate, I've got a... I've got another quad six sitting in the in the in the out in the back in the in the warehouse. Do you want it? I go, yeah. You got a backup. So, so I've got two. Yeah. So I've retired the old one that I've used for like 10, 15 years or more, and I'm now using the new one. Yeah. That it has never been out in the road, and yeah, it's like 15 years old, and it's only done about a year's worth of gigs. So I got two of them. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I do have my old original Warwick cabs, which are. Heavy, but man, uh, it was a little mini rig, like a 212 cab. Remember that 212 cab I had with the grey gray vinyl and the red and the, and the yellow badges, Warwick yeah, yellow yeah. badge on it, yeah, and the 210 with the... With the I, 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 had, I had one of those, I had a 15-inch, one of those German-made 15-inch Warwick cabs. Yeah, well, I've still got my 210 and my 212 cab. Yeah. The 212 cab is amazing. It's a tiny little cab, but man, it's got a sound. But gee, it's heavy. Yeah. Harry, uh, Harry what, what um, size coin? Are you using 10s? Um, I've got uh, a 15 Mark base. I've got uh, yeah. three 210 Mark base boxes. Uh, I've got an orange uh, 210, which is one of those ones which is very small where the speakers are facing each other. 
Oh, the, I, oh I yeah, bit behind. Yeah, Jill can, yeah, contains, yeah. That, that's my lounge room, man, which... Isobaric. <laughs> Isobaric, aren't that, they? Isobaric. Yeah, yeah, I've got... So, They're back, amazing. Well, about 25 years ago, the problem was I was blowing JBLs and EVs all the time, so it was always back to the next recone, the next recone, and, you know, basically, because, you know, playing with Kevin Boric and, and people like that, you sort of still got to pump it out, and I didn't have the real rig. I, I tell you, I was in Adelaide in the early days, and my rig got it, and Phil Small came up and said, listen, I've got a great rig, just uh, give me 10 minutes, and he got, got the roadies to bring the whole chisel base rig, which was this amazing bow fender amp with these beautiful fender boxes. Oh, amazing. And, and so he set that up and basically I, I was like, unbelievable. And so Phil is just a sweetheart, you know, he just came to my rescue. Wow. All cool. It's all cool. That's uh, great. And, and Phil is one of the greatest, Australians' greatest bass players. I was just going to say, what, what, what about... His lines are iconic. Yes. Absolutely. find those lines that fit with those songs that beautifully, I think. Yeah. He's, he's the epitome of bass. Yeah. Yeah, man. Some really cool yeah. lines for sure. Roger, I was going to say, I was on your website earlier on and you toured South Africa with Cliff Richard. I yeah. mean, there's, there's so much wrapped up in that statement. <laughs> like, <laughs> is Cliff Richard big in South Africa? What was that like? Well, he was, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they were sellout concert tours, man. Just please, excuse me. My mum's a massive Cliff Richard fan. I'm a massive Cliff Richard fan. You know, his his vocals in those early records are unbelievable, Um, incredible. Yeah, that was funny how we how that gig came about because it was when apartheid was happening, and. Was it was it back then? Well, it was back then. Yeah, it was like oh. in the seventy. Uh, when was it? Somewhere seventy eight, seventy nine, or something. Oh, so, so it was. It was wow. It was. Re- it was really a long, long time ago. Yeah, and Ooh. the problem was that he couldn't get his English band into South Africa, and so, but he could get Australian musicians in there. So the band was Jeff Cox on drums. Peter Jones on keyboards, Tony, yeah, <laughs> Jonesy on keyboards, um, Mark, uh, you remember Mark Chu, the guitar player? Chu, yeah, yeah, Mark Chu yeah. On, on guitar and, and Tony Naylor on guitar. Beautiful. And look, now Mike Clark was supposed to do the, do the gig, but he couldn't get in and out of the country because of some previous uh, uh, convictions. I'll just leave it at that. So it was difficult for him to leave the country and get back in. So I got the call to get to go and do this gig, and it's pretty amazing, man. Um, I, I can tell you some stories about that, some that uh, I actually couldn't. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, well, I, maybe I could. Hmm. Uh, look, it was a, it was great. I mean, he's huge over there, and the thing is that the tour was put together by Christians. So it was a, a, some Christian church had bought, decided they were going to bring because. Cliff's a Christian, you know, and they were going to bring tour to us. So we did, um, we did Cape Town, uh, Durban, and Johannesburg. Was it was it white audiences? Yeah, pretty much. 
pretty much wide audiences. And of course, this was the time he did, had Devil Woman. So we do everything from Living Doll to Move It, all his early stuff. Yeah. Here's a great story. We're in rehearsal. Yeah. And uh, Tony Naylor's playing the beginning of the opening, the opening line to move it. And Cliff's going, uh, oh, Tony, uh, look, man, that's not quite right. Yeah, Tony, it's not quite right. It's not quite right, Tony. I say Tony, old chap. It's not quite right. <laughs> Do you mind if I play your guitar, old chap? And, and true story is that Cliff takes Tony Naylor's guitar and he said, he said, Hank taught me this. So, okay, if Hank Marvin taught you how the riff to move it goes, and so there's the great, the great Cliff Richard playing Tony Naylor's striped guitar and showing him how it's actually played, you know. And 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 he was it was legit. He, he... Oh, it was legit. Yeah, he could play it beautifully. He, Hank Marvin had shown Cliff how to play that opening line, you know. All right. It was just the little nuances and the little slides and the pull-offs, you know. Yeah. Hank Marvin, man, he, he could shred. <laughs> yeah. He sure he, can. He one of my big influences, Hank Marvin, is where I started, basically. Yeah. Oh, mate, I, I pined for a red Stratocaster when I was 10 years old, when I saw the shadows, you know. I get chills down my spine when I hear Wonderful Land. You know that song? Which one? Wonderful Land. I don't know that. Can't place it. Sorry. Oh, yeah, it's it's one of their ultimates. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of Apache and then Rise of the Fall of Flingle Bunt. You know, and Jerry Lawton wrote all those, like yes. and Apache. He he was a killer. He just seemed to write all the biggest ones. Yeah, he did. I know it's amazing. All right. Um, I think it would be remiss if we didn't bring up. The John Farnham. For oh, that'd be you, Rog. No, that's that's you, Craig. You you played that's with Craig uh, on his on his tour. Well, look, mate, I got a lucky break. It, it was, uh, I mean, you know, the recording of, I mean, that album was just amazing, um, Whispering Jack. But basically, I just got a call. I think De Hirschfelder might have dialed me in. You know, the, the, basically everything on that album is programmed. You know, the bass and that. And uh, I think they were trying to, I don't know what, what was going on, but they just weren't happy with what the bass was doing. They couldn't what find something for your voice. What, approximately what, what year was this? 86. 86, right. Yeah, 86. I get a call to come in and I just bought my two fenders, my fretless, the one I showed you before. Uh, took the fretless in and... Um, so what do you want? They said, well, I don't know what we want. And I said, well, look, play me what you've got. And so they, they played me an unmixed version of You're the Voice. And and they had a bit of, like, program DX7 bass going, dog, you know. But they re I don't think they, they were just maybe just searching for something. And I, I, you know, I don't recall hearing anything to go by. It was like, look, we want you to emulate this. It was like, look... You come up with something. So um, they said, let's have a look. So actually what they did was they played the song, and I quite, as soon as I heard it, it was obvious that the song was going to be a massive hit. I mean, in its unmixed state, you know, you heard the song start, you know, the, uh, but when, when the chorus came in, for the first time I ever heard it in the studio, I was like, whoa, what about this song, you know? 
and I'd heard the bagpipe solo in the middle, so I'd kind of heard it, and yeah, hey, McLaughlin, the best Scottish bagpipe, Jimmy. And uh, so how I recorded the song in a nutshell was they said, let's do the choruses. So I did the first chorus, you know, down the barrel of a gun, and I had my fretless, and it's, like, it's that classic, I better play something, you know. And, and I, for some unknown reason, I had the bagpipes, that kind of droney thing going on. And so my, my entry line into the, and I should plug the bass in, I don't know whether you'll be able to hear this, it'll sound just as bad as Harry's did, you know, with it. But that... What are you saying, Harry sounded bad? <laughs> well, when I say it, you sounded great, but... Come on, man. <laughs> What? Let me redeem myself. I thought what I mean it was is even worse than Harry's. Man. Yeah, it was really shit, ass Harry. No, look, we couldn't. You played so hard that the compressors kicked in, and and all we saw was, but we couldn't hear anything. Anyway, so that entry, that kind of rolling, there's all octave slides, you know. So that was my approach to the chorus, kind of playing in the mid-range. Fuck, I never play anything like that. Not me either. you come round for a lesson, mate. I'm going to come round. I know. You better. I've seen you play. You're nowhere near how I play it. <laughs> but, see, but that's the thing. is like it, it, it only matters if the rest yeah. of the band are doing that arrangement. But yeah. how often does the rest of the band do, do the same arrangement, that what the original song is? So for me, I'm like, put on the OC2, bit of chorus, but, 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 you know, kind of get Honestly, it. I don't actually play anything in the verses. I don't actually play. Yeah, no, yeah. In the, I mean, in, in don't your... play any of that, you know, even in the second verse, because the bass drum they had is so big and so bottomy. Four tops. Yeah, there's no room for it in the recording, you know, yeah, it's just exactly. huge. So, um, so, you know, but of course that all disappears once you get into the verses, sorry, into the choruses, you know. So I kind of did the whole song uh, and, and then I remember them winding back to the beginning said, look, we've got nothing over the first verse. And I remember them just rolling back, hitting the record button. Now, I'd already done the choruses, right? And, and so the hand claps start. Da, 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 you know, and then the... Down, 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 and I thought, geez, I better play something, you know. I mean, eight bars has gone past, and so I foolishly played. <laughs> and, and that's what I played. It was just a, a, me having a bit of a, a jam. Along, yeah. And, you know, and a kind of, and, and a few other things, the other bits. And I remember, and they dropped out a record just as they came to the chorus, and both Ross Fraser and John and and uh, and Dougie said they just kind of went, "That's it, that is absolutely unbelievable." I said, "Can I double it?" <laughs> I wanted to double my licks to make them really stand out. I said, "No, <laughs> you're not doing it again. You're not touching it. That's it. It's a take." So honestly, that whole first verse. And even second verse licks, it's just, I got lucky, mate. The, the gods, the bass gods were shining on me. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Jacko, I'm thinking Palo, 
Caladino, you know. I'm just kind of going, I've got to play something, and off I went, and that's what came out, and the rest mm -hmm. is history, you know. And then, uh, you know, uh, talking came back earlier, I mean, you can play things differently every night, but that initial lick, you know, that's, that's the part of the song that you have to play. Well, you've got to play, at least play that. Whatever you play after, that's fine, man. I absolutely give you poetic license to... to don't, do don't, don't mess with that. No, you can't mess, mess that, with that. And, and to be honest, uh, there's nothing else that you could play that would be do it any justice. That's... Well, it's weird that, isn't it, when you hear something on a record that someone's played, a bass player, and, and, and you think, there's nothing else I could possibly put in there, you know? And, you know, if you miss that lick then uh, you better watch out because the boss may not come in in the right spot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember that song, Money, Don't Money? Don't ever blow that lick, right? <laughs> remember that song, Money, Money by the OJs? Oh, yeah. Well, that's probably the only time that a session bass player got riding royalties from that track. Anthony Jackson Anthony got... Jackson? Oh, yeah, that's one of my... Remember that incredible bass line? They realised oh, that... Mate, I, I quote that quite often. That is one of the great opening bass lines, yeah. Well, they, they came to the party money-wise. They gave him a credit. Wow. I wonder if I could go back to Farnham and get a ride. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll start a GoFund campaign, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, I've, I've got a lot of kudos out of that track, you know, and, of course, it was all over so quickly. Like, I did that, and, and then and then I put some bass on uh, A Touch of Paradise. Great song. Ross Wilson tune. Yeah, the great Ross my only, my only beef about that is that I wish they had have actually mixed the bass a bit louder in both of those songs. The bass is back in the mix, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, wherever I lay my hat is my solo title. You know, I heard that when he recorded that, he was a toned down. Who was? Pino. That's why he got that incredible sound. Oh, right, so he's <laughs> tuned toned down. Yeah. Down, oh, the wow. There, there is something to be said for... Um you know, you hear stuff drop D, E, e flat, even like the strings have a different voice. Oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They balloon out more, don't they, for sure? Yeah. Hey, have any of you guys ever tuned your bass in, in a cycle of fifths instead of fourths? Don't be no. crazy. You want to try that one day. It's really, it's weird because it really does your head in. Yeah, like a cello cycle of fifths or a violin. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got to probably go for a lighter gauge string, but it's... It's really interesting what falls under the fingers and, and all the things that you, patterns that you know in a cycle of fourths. Yeah. But, yeah, there's something about the way the bass rings in a cycle of fifths as opposed to fourths, you know? Yeah, man. Mm. Try mm. that. <laughs> that'll, do you, that'll do your head in. And we've got a tune to um, 432 as well, right? You know? Oh, you've got to go to 4.32, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, can you guys believe it's been three hours and 15 minutes? Oh, God, it feels, like two, it feels like five hours. No, it feels like about an hour and a half. Yeah, right. I, I, I was on half an hour early. It's been is, there, is there actually anyone watching? There's 30 people have hung in, and I haven't even looked at any of the comments. Uh, Mitch is here. Andrew Fry is here. Josh Mitch. Nancy, hey, brother. Guy Palmer. 
Mark Perrick. Uh, people. Um, Paul Matthews, Craig Strain. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm here. I'm so, oh, yes, Craig Strain's there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess... Um, Bad jokes, Dale Powers. Oh, I'm sorry I've been... Uh, hang on, report a comment. Like, no, cancel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I leave the room for two minutes and the dad jokes happen. I oh, know, they did, yeah. Everything went to shit when you left, Craig. It did. We, we didn't know what to do, man. Oh. So, Craig, give me the Craig, Craig Strain. Give me the Craig Strain story. Oh, far out. Yeah, well, you know. And can I just say that I absolutely love that new track you put up, Pickpocket. The, what's that song called? How about it? How about it, yeah. Man, that is fantastic. Like, really, I'm going, wow, these, this is really cool. Awesome, fabulous, fabulous groove, man. I mean, um, Maddie, just on the pocket. But both of you guys are just in the pocket so deep. It's really cool. Uh, well, I mean, you, you know what it's like when you, when you find a drummer that you just, you know, first note, you're like, man, we just feel subdivisions the same way. And yeah, yeah. People, you feel the song forms in the same way as well, yeah. you know. So intensities and and moving between. Yeah, I'm like that with with Jerry Pantazis. He's, he's yeah. like he's like a glove that goes on my hand. Yeah. Um, but but my story is yes, uh, your story. He's not bad, isn't he, the old Jesse? He's all right. Sorry, Craig. Yes, yes, Craig. He is. He's my uh, favourite drummer. Born born in Scotland, eighty two, obviously, and um and lived there until. 2011. So I met my partner Ali, who's Kiwi, from oh, wow. from North Island, from Hawke's Bay. Roger. Bay, yeah, wow. The fruit bowl. Yeah, and, not uh, well. So, so we met back in Scot. We met back in Scotland like nine, nine years ago. Um, and back then I was doing. You know, I was working in a studio. I was an engineer in the studio, so I was producing and, and stuff like that. Um, doing wedding band stuff. I was doing a bit of. Uh, primary school music education, so taking classes of like 20 kids for, you know, a um, whole, whole, whole bunch of crazy music stuff, wedding band gigs, um, some original stuff, but the kind of pop rock stuff that I was doing. And so I met Ali, my partner, and we lived in Scotland for a bit, and then, and then we moved to Vancouver in Canada for a couple of years. Um, yeah. I did some cruise ships when I was over there, did Alaska... <clears throat> and um, stuff like that, and then we decided to come here um, in 2014, kind of permanently. So I've been here yeah. for just just over six years, and uh, and it's been Melbourne's been amazing in terms of me being able to kind of do what I want, but still still be able to live and survive. You know, like. I imagine if I was in London or New York or any or or Berlin, any of these kind of like you know real big music hubs, you just kind of get swallowed up and spat out. So, so he Melbourne's kind of that that's that kind of um, Goldilocks size of a city. I think like four million people, like yeah. enough enough people for it to be enough work, but it's not too big that you get lost. I feel. Yeah, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, and there's always been a great music culture. I mean, really, and in Sydney as well, obviously. But you yeah, know. and 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 you know, people have been so. I think that 
one of the things that struck me is like people are really willing to give you a chance um, here. You know, like I'll, I'll meet, you know, first couple of years I was here, I'd meet somebody and say, hey, I'm a bass player. And then a couple of months later, I'll get a call and go, cool, here's your gig. You know, it was like, yeah. you say you're a bass player, here's your chance to prove it kind of thing. So, so that's been good. And, and I learned a lot, you know, a lot of trial by fire. One of my first gigs here was playing with the Grand Wazoo. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's trial by fire. Yeah. It was a trial by fire. I, my bass hadn't even arrived yet from Scotland. I was filling in for Barney, Barney Loveland, um, he, who, who I kind of knew from doing ships. We'd never met, but we had mutual friends, so he was one of my contacts when I first moved here. And um, he couldn't do this Grand Wazoo gig, so he called me for some reason. I don't know. I guess everybody else in Melbourne must have been busy. I was like... I, I'd love to do it, man, but my bass isn't here. So he gave me a 60s jazz, <laughs> and I caught the tram. <laughs> the Blue Diamond with my little um, Eden 112 cab and stuff like that, and did the gig. And, yeah, that, that was one of my first gigs. And then Pat Farrell, another guy, another good friend, he gave me some gigs. And, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. And But I always wanted to kind of do my own thing. Like I'd been a sideman so much and done lots of stuff for other people but ever since I'd been playing music I always wanted to do my own thing so when I was here and, and I saw the caliber of musicians that was that was around me I was like I could probably put together something and and try and make them play my music trick them into playing my music and so so that's been that's been pickpocket that's been my yeah yeah man that's cool my passion and stuff like that and yeah so we've done two albums that I've produced and then we've got another one on the way, so we're just releasing a couple of singles, and and yeah, so the the last one's how about it? And Alex Howroyd, who who I know you you're friends with with Big and Horny. Mad Alex, I love Alex. Alex. Amazing. Um, Isn't Matt, he an amazing musician, Alex? I mean, he he comes into Big and Horny with his trumpet, you know, and it blows everyone. Pardon the pun, blows everyone away with his trumpet playing. And then, because uh, Big and Audio have a lot of depths, and then the sax player can turn up, and Alex turns up, and he's playing sax, and it's like, what? Yeah, well, I mean... You play it, sax like that and trumpet like that? Yeah. play sax in the, in, the, in the Tower of Power Band, you know? Yeah. That's one of the cool things about Pickpocket is that Alex can play sax or trumpet, um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real flexible setup. I don't know. It's kind of unique. It's, it's kind of fusion, but it's kind of... It's not, it's, but it's funk, but it's not like a straight up party funk band. I don't know. It's just kind of, it is what it is. And yeah. I, think that's, I think that says a lot to this, to, to Melbourne, that a band like that can exist and, and people turn up. Like we sell out Paris Cat almost every time we play and, you know, it's, it's really good. It's probably a bit, it's probably like a, it, you know, I mean, pickpocket from what I've heard, it possibly not unlike, because it's funky, instrumental, it's possibly not unlike uh, average white band in a way, you know. Yeah. You had vocals, but they were funky. They were instrumental. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely an influence. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's it's definitely a unique, a unique sound with the with the mix of musicians that are in it. Um, and so, and yeah, and just you know, get involved in in the scene here. Then the in the Melbourne scene, like started the Melbourne bass players page. Because, you know, there's like guys like you, Roger, and Craig, and Kim May. Um, I mean, just like so many incredible bass players in this in this city that um, 
and I just thought it would be great to find a way to connect everybody together, you know, because they're mm. kind of all... And what a great thing that you're doing. Uh, I mean, that is something... Yeah. I get a chance to sit here and fantastic. talk shit for three hours, you know, that's great. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and people enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, one, that's one of the good things about Facebook and social networking and stuff, and I think, you know, it, it does get a lot of a bad rap, and we do abuse it, but it can be used for... For good, and 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 I think this is this is a good thing, you know. Like it's it's Friday night, um, in Melbourne, in September. I've I was it's actually probably be out just uh, be getting normally getting into the third set by now. Well, really, you know, I was meant to be out gig tonight, Craig. You're you know, Harry, you've got a gig tomorrow night. You 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 filthy filthy human. That's just not right <laughs> to be out there playing. But it's 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 shit in Melbourne. You know, there's there's no gigs and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Nothing. So I was doing this on a Saturday night because that was prime, you know, prime gig night. But I'm flexible, you know. We can do Friday night, Friday night whatever. Because um, you have to fit in with the master there, Harry. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> well, we uh, we'll make suit it. the master. That's it. You know, so. Um, so, how many bass players does it take to change a light bulb? Um, none. The keyboard player does it with his left hand. <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> Let's not talk about keyboard players and their left hands. Oh, yeah. Right. Do we should should we wrap it there? Yeah, I think we probably should. Yeah, we should before it gets. Otherwise, to... I'll bring out the corny jokes. No, don't need that. And H Harry's going to play the bazooki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll play the trombone. Oh, <laughs> God, the, the rusty trombone. trombone this this is this has been uh, amazing. I've had messages from people already saying that this has been a fantastic chat. So thank you, Roger, yeah, well, Harry, Craig. Um, I've learned a lot. It's been so much. So have I. I mean, three hours. Yeah, I found out things about you, uh, Craig, and I found out things about Harry I never knew. It's really cool. Same about you, Roger. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know. Here we go. You know and. Hey, you know this is this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for COVID. So, well, exactly. Yeah, that's why I said before. I, as much as I love gigging, I haven't missed it, and we probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this. Yeah, it's you know, it, you know um, we we got to try and make the most of it. Stay connected. You know, fa actual Absolutely. face to face interaction, not just text messages and whatever. Um, check up on your friends face to face. Absolutely. FaceTime, yeah. Skype, whatever. Zoom. Yep. It, it's it's different. It really is different. And I think it's going to be that way for uh, uh, quite a while. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I just wish we could have a, a platform like this where we could all actually play and we could all hear one another and uh, the whole duplex thing actually worked, you know. Well, I mean, unfortunately, the internet in Australia is pretty yeah. fucking third world. It's embarrassing. It's not good, is it? Well, it is. Mind you, I've, I won't tell you how fast my speed is. Uh, no, Roger, you have told us how fast your speed is. I know. It's all over Facebook. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm very smug yeah. about it. Connection is splendid. We, you look fantastic. We can see all the wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, yeah, you, you, we, you know, we can jam. But, um, you know, may, maybe there's room for some kind of pre-planned Melbourne or just base community, base yeah. jam record or something. I don't know. Because like, like you say, Craig, it, we might be like this 
for a while. So, so let's let's really support each other online because that's the only mm -hmm. platform we have. You know, if anybody's putting stuff out there, Roger, you were really kind, and I'm um, I'm commented and shared about the pickpocket stuff. You know, if you see your friends putting stuff out there, share it because it that's that's how the network. It's a network. You know, it's yeah. not a bubble. We, we we don't want to be in a social media bubble. We want to be in a network. So. If yeah, somebody does something that you like and appreciate, don't just go, oh, hey, man, that thing you did was really cool in a private message. Actually, take that video or whatever it might be and send it on your profile because that profile then connects with 100 other people. Sure. And somebody from that, that's how it works. And that, <clears throat> as musicians, that's all we have right now. So yeah, I agree. If you can, if you can do it. I'm going to give uh, Wayne Jones a bit of a plug because he's just been putting some new some new stuff out on uh, Facebook of late. Yeah, he was telling yes. me just really. Yeah, I saw I saw something uh, yesterday or day. Yeah, exactly. I, I love what Wayne does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and also Brett Garcia. Have you seen the new the new uh, clip that he just put out? Yes, I have. Yep. Absolutely fantastic! What a voice he's got, man. He does have a great voice. Yes. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, and thanks to everybody in you know who's watched this and asked comments and tuned in and lots of people are saying great chat. I think that's the thing as well. You, you, a lot of time we put stuff out there and we don't necessarily know how far it goes and how much of a reach we have. But um, you know, there's been people commenting here that didn't even know we're watching and stuff. And I think this kind of social interaction is something that that we miss. So. Um, thanks everybody for for tuning in and for watching. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I wish I could have kept an eye on the comments, but I was too busy watching you guys. And, uh, I can't wait for the base centre to open again, so we can uh, get back in there and uh, catch up on what's happening. Yeah. Well, I'm buying stuff online now. I'm going. To, I'm going down to guys's, mate. Just come down, knock on the door, and I'll hand you the base. You take it home. You know. Steal, steal some picks. Yes. <laughs> I know, I bought two okay. bases from the base centre in the last six months. I can't believe it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. All right. Um, All right, guys. Thank you, thanks, Craig. Thanks, for Craig. Together. And uh, Harry, Craig, absolutely Craig. great to see you, mate. Roger. Roger. <laughs> absolutely. Great to meet you, Harry. Yeah. Lovely job there, Craig. Well done, mate. Yeah. Well yeah. Done, Thank mate. You. Thanks yeah. for the opportunity, man. Absolute pleasure. All right. Have a good night, guys. Stay safe. Stay safe. See you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. All right. So there you have it. Um, three three hours of uh, amazing chat and hangs with Roger, Harry, and Craig. I want to say massive thanks to these guys for agreeing to be part of my um, ISO hang series that I did here in Melbourne. Um, and subsequently, you know, letting me put this out as a podcast episode. I hope you guys got something from it. Um, I know I did. I had a great time hanging out with them. And if you're listening to this at the tail end of 2020, then I hope that um, you've survived okay. I hope that you have a nice Christmas and New Year. And um, I look forward to coming back in 2021 with some more episodes um, I've got a, a couple more in the can that I just need to edit up um, and some more content and some more gigs um, in the meantime go and check out the Pickpocket album <laughs> alright guys 
Take care og speed Jason.